2: and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshul. We record this episode on a Tuesday here, February 21st, as we enter the dog days. I'm I, Not really the dog days of the offseason, but it's that in-between period where the Super Bowl was last weekend, and we're only a few weeks away from the start of free agency, but there's kind of that moment in between them where it's like, nothing is really happening. Um in the NFL right now there's a lot of rumors going on and so it, it almost drives you crazy you said at least for me personally it almost drives you crazy because you just want the action to start and all you can do is just look at you know all the the possibilities that are floating out there on Twitter 24-7 but before we get into what we're going to be talking about today uh, how you doing today man
3: yeah I'm doing well and You mentioned possibilities that are floating around on Twitter. I mean, it's ridiculous. Let's just just call it how it is. It's so ridiculous, right? Because you have, speaking of the possibilities, you have Justin Fields who's been linked to like every quarterback needy team and the guy's been labeled a bust. He's been labeled a running back. He's been labeled as not the guy moving forward for the Bears. And now the rumors are persisting that – you know, Justin is indeed going to be traded. And I forgot which sports book website it was some no name one, but they decided to have like in odds for where Justin Fields ends up. And the Buccaneers are the one team to keep watching. And then on top of it, you've got people going back and forth about why Ryan polls deserve so much criticism for a lot of his veteran free agent signings last off season. And is polls really the guy moving forward? It's, Such an interesting dynamic because I have a feeling and you guys can quote me on this if you want to, but I have a feeling we're not going to see the big checks written this offseason like some people would have hoped. I think the Bears are going to kind of take a more relaxed approach. You're going to have your handful of signings in free agency, probably more so in wave two and three just to give this roster some depth, strike some diamonds in the rough, you know, get a player or two or even three at bargain deals. And then after you swing for the fences, and then what you're going to see is really much of the focus be the draft. Because when we look at Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham and Matt Eberflus, I mean, all three of them come from organizations where that philosophy of draft and develop talent is, the foundation for how the Colts and the chiefs and the Eagles had their success.
2: Well, look, I mean, the bears, they're going to have to spend this off season. They had to hit the minimum spending floor uh, this year. I think it's like the number that I've been hearing is like 150 million in terms of like cash. They got to spend this year, not cap space. Like, cash that they got to spend so that that's money that can be you know prorated by signing bonuses to future years i mean they're going to spend a lot you know whether they're going to go after the big names and you know put a ton of money into a few players as opposed to a, you know a wide variety of players i mean that remains to be seen i mean so i mean you could be right they could go for a more um you know volume approach just get a lot of guys and hope that they can get like you said a few diamonds in the rough if you guys that surprise and get over out, outperform their contracts or whatever you know it, it but i mean that's part of it so like it's funny we talk about again I, I bring up the whole possibilities on twitter thing like everyone wants the bears attached to every single big name out there or every single big trade out there like t higgins like i haven't can't tell you how many people are like, well, the bears are obviously going to you know, go all in a trade for T Higgins and, you know, they're going to go after Darren Payne and um, all these big money guys. Saquon Barkley is the newest one. Uh, we talked about Saquon Barkley on this podcast quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's just, it's interesting to see, you know, the, di- the dynamic there. And um, you bring up the Justin Fields whole thing. Like, so first of all, there we have to separate the discussion of, you know, the idea of would you, trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback from, you know, would the bears actually do that? And I don't think we're at that second part yet. Like there is, I think an argument to be made for the strategy of, you know, trading Justin Fields and and just getting like Bryce young or something at number one overall. I, that's not what I would do personally, but you know, I think there is a discussion that can be had if it's approached rationally there, but yeah, all the sportsbook putting on, you know, the odds about what team Justin Fields is going to play for. It's like, I, you know what, I there's no indication that the Bears have any, like, any, like, want to trade Justin Fields at this point. So if I'm a betting man, like, I'm putting, I'm that's a safe bet for me. I'm putting all my money on the Bears because, yeah, I, I don't think he's getting traded. This It would make no sense to trade him uh, this offseason given, you know, where what the comments have been made about Justin, I, I feel like they feel like he's the, he's the guy moving forward. Like I, I think they're going to give him this year. Like if it just feels does to make it step this year, then yeah, I think we can have that conversation about whether the bears move on from him, but I think he showed enough to where, yes, I'm not even thinking about that. So if, if you want to, if you want to go out there and propose ideas of whether that's the best move for the bears, you know, go at it. I'm not going to agree, agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to hijack this po- this podcast talking about, you know, the whole Justin Fields trade dynamic thing. I, I just think that's something for a different a different podcast, a different day. But, um, you know, I talk about this being a slow time in the offseason period, um, kind of in that in-between time between uh, the Super Bowl and uh, the free agency and the draft and whatnot. We did get some, you know, some Bears news Um in terms of a roster move being made. Uh so the Bears cutting uh Al Khadim defensive end, um, uh, who was signed this past offseason. Um two year he was signed for a two-year deal, small deal. He was only he was brought in as kind of like a stopgap option at the defensive end spot. He was brought in because he had a familiarity with Matt Eberflues from the Indianapolis Colts, all that stuff. We understand that. Very interesting that they cut him now. Um, certainly. You know, a guy that got a lot of snaps this past year, didn't really do much with them, you know, wasn't the most productive guy um, going into things. So I, I think it's a small move in in terms of the, the small picture here because, you know, Elkney Muhammad, he's not, you know, a, a big-name player. He's not a guy that, you know, is saving the Bears a ton of cap space. It's, it's not like they need to save a ton of cap space. But I think there is, from a big-picture standpoint, there is a lot of talk about here from this signing and what it means for the Bears moving forward. Um, And let's just start with the big picture of, you know, Al-Khadi Muhammad was a Ryan Poles guy or a Matt Eberflus guy going into this offseason. So the fact that, you know, they're cutting him this early in the offseason, what do you think that indicates for this regime in terms of their mindset for kind of building this roster and how they value – guys that they themselves bring in
3: well your actions speak louder than your words and really with this action that the bears made here this roster move it was kind of hey we signed you in 2022 simply because you were coming off a year in 2021 with Matt Eberflus in indianapolis you started 17 games you had six and a half to seven sacks it was a career high we want you to come over here to chicago we'll sign you to a two-year deal and go ahead and just make the jump, you know, make the jump, allow some of these younger guys like a Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson to get better. Let's see what you bring to the defense. Ultimately, Elkwadeen Muhammad really disappointed this past season. And part of it, I think is simply because Alan Williams was a defensive coordinator, not Matt Eberflus. Flus just has this thing to him where he's able to put his players in a position to succeed. Alan Williams And again, Alan Williams is very familiar with Ibra too. Alan was, without a doubt, let's just be honest, incredibly dry at times with some of the formations he tried out onto the field. But getting back to the bigger picture here, I mean, listen, if a player is not producing, you have to move on from him. And it's a really positive sign seeing that the Bears are not going to keep older aging veterans around and kind of hoping that they figure it out. Why? Because this is traditionally what this franchise has done. You look at the Mark Trustman years, you look at the John Fox years, as well as the Matt Nagy years, and it was always kind of, you know, he's not producing, but we're going to go ahead and keep him around anyway. Let's just see what he can do. Something's going to turn. I mean, listen, in my time covering this team and doing this podcast, we use, it's. I can confidently say Robert Quinn's been the only guy who comes to mind that had a really down year in 2020. And in 2021 set it the franchise record for sacks with 18 and a half to 19 sacks. And so if you're the bears, I mean, I think moving on from Al-Quddin Muhammad was warranted, right? You create the extra $4 million in cap space. You have, I think a project player in Dominique Robinson who again, had his flashes last season, but it still wasn't enough because it was clear he was learning the rigors of what it meant to be a pass rusher. And the message it sends throughout your locker room is this. Hey, Lucas Patrick, you're not safe. Hey, Cody White here, you're not safe. Hey, Kindle Vildor, you're a guy that could potentially be on the chopping block as well. Which, if we're going to be honest, right... Outside of white hair, Patrick and Vildor should probably be gone this offseason anyway. And so seeing the Bears move on from these aging vets to make way for younger guys, it's a positive sign of how much roster turnover we're going to see over the next offseason or two. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets.
2: Yeah, I would throw Justin Jones defensive tackle in there as well um, just because, you know, I think they're going to overhaul this roster. I think a lot of these guys that they brought in last offseason are clearly cap, you know, uh, stopgap guys that they didn't really have any big plans on them being long-term pieces. I think, I think the way Ryan Pohl saw it last year was that if we bring these guys in, we give them a shot, you know, to kind of establish the culture a little bit, you know, give us a solid veteran presence – um, while we kind of rebuild this roster and if they prove it to us and they you know they play they play well and they come on strong, maybe we keep them around for 2023. But if not, we're gonna move on from these guys. I think that's the, that was the strategy going into it with a lot of these guys. So yeah, I, I think it goes to show that they're not married to their guys that they bring in here, that if somebody is not performing up to a certain standard, they are gonna look to move on, they are gonna look to upgrade. And they are going to try to, you know, continue to add talent to this roster any way they can. I do think that's also doing it now. It does kind of help out Muhammad in a way because he can hit free agency earlier. He can talk to teams now instead of having to wait until um, free agency begins in the middle of March. So I think there is a, you know, a little bit of, you know, the Bears saying. You know, we're trying to overhaul this roster. We don't really see you as having a big role for us next year. We want to move on from you right now, give you a chance to talk to teams, and then, you know, just play the business part of the game and give you an op- a better opportunity to get um, on a team here shortly. So I think there was kind of yeah, that aspect of Iberflus maybe wanted to give his – does do his guy a solid there, even though he knows that he's probably not a guy that he wants to keep long-term here. So, I, you know – a lot of these guys in the rosters, like you said, like I think White Hair, you know, certainly is gonna be an interesting situation because the Bears, I'm not sure if there's too many upgrade options for him at left guard available in free agency, but he's a guy that you know he's getting up there in age, his cap hit is pretty high. They could look to get out of that contract if they feel like they just want to turn over that that position there and get you know, a new face in there. Um, Patrick, I think, is going to be very interesting coming off the injury he had last year and really just didn't come in and play well whatsoever. They brought him in to be their center. He only played like one game at center, and the the one game he plays, he gets injured and So, you know, just didn't really do what he was brought in to do, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think he can be considered a lock to stay in this roster. Like I said, Jones, I'm not sure he's a lock to stay in this roster. He didn't really – he had his flashes, but I'm not sure he's he was a consistent guy for that defensive line last year. So, yeah, certainly the Bears could be looking to – you know, definitely move on from some guys. Again, they don't need the cap space. They're up to like a hundred million right now. I think it's like 85 million in like uh effective cap space according to over the So they still have a ton of money to spend, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they're going to be overhauling this roster. They're going to be spending a lot of money. So I guess whatever cap space they can get out of this, they're going to try to get, and it also brings up, uh, I think with this cut here, you know, it's up with the big picture of how polls and Eberflus value their guys now, you know. Defensive end is going to be a big position of need for the Bears this offseason. You look at the Bears last year, they had the worst pass rush in the NFL, or at least one of the worst pass rushes. Uh, the defensive line in general is probably one of the worst we've seen in the NFL over the last few years. Just not a ton of talent, especially after the Robert Quinn trade. Um, that you know, really fell off a cliff. And, and Robert Quinn's not even that good of a player anymore, uh, as evidenced by the fact that he did nothing for the Eagles on their Super Bowl run. Um, but you know, you lose a veteran like that and just everything fell apart for this unit. Muhammad certainly didn't help, didn't really bring much of an impact as a run defender or as a pass rusher. So when you look at the defensive end spot, it really leaves a lot of questions, I think, about how they will address this. And to me, you said, I don't know about you, what you think, it, it sounds like they're going to be very aggressive attacking this position.
3: You're right. Aggressive is the correct word to use for the Bears when it comes to figuring out what they're going to do at defensive end and just across the defensive line in general. I mean, you look at this, right? And I think they're going to draft somebody within the first two to three rounds. Like, that is no doubt in my mind going to happen to address the D-line. But then also, when you kind of get into free agency, there's such an interesting set of players that comes up, right? Because you have Deron Payne from the Washington Commanders, a guy that Bears fans have been so fixated on for pretty much the longest of time. But then beyond Payne, you have guys like a Javon Hargrave. You've got... Unique Ngakwe, too, from the uh, Colts. And then, once again, you know, Larry Joby. not that he's going to be the Bears' free-agent signing, but he's set to go ahead and hit free agency. You know, Jordan Phillips, interior defensive lineman, from who's currently with the Buffalo Bills, he's a guy you look at and say, okay, he may be 31 years old, but maybe just maybe he'd thrive in a rotational role in this environment. And then you have guys like, LJ Collier, as well as Trey Flowers, too. So what, you know, I think, look, people have to understand something. And we all got to make an effort to understand this. Is that when we look at this free agency class, right, in terms of your interior defensive linemen, as well as your pass rushers, right? Yes, there's a lot of talent there, but, and there's a lot of intriguing names, But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to be in a corner where you're just overpaying to overpay. I think what's going to happen is this, is that once Deron Payne and the commanders kind of come to a decision about what they're going to do about him, you're going to see this sort of trickle-down effect in terms of how the rest of the market is going to go ahead and shape out. And listen, for the Bears, I mean, if I'm being fully honest, you can never have too much depth when it comes to ass rushers last offseason proved that and so now it's going to be much of the same thing
2: yeah absolutely i mean look how i mean we talked about last week in our episode but look how the eagles built their roster just being able to go after teams in waves on the defensive line and just having six seven eight guys that can get after the quarterback and kick ass in the line of scrimmage like that's how you want to build your defensive line so that you can keep these guys fresh and rotate in and just have a lot of options to get after the quarterback. And I think, you know, the Bears, they have the resources to be able to do that this offseason, both in free agency and in the draft. Certainly cap space-wise, they have the ability to add, you know, a big name free agent as well as some smaller name free agents. And you know, you look at the top of this draft here, they are in a position to get one of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, even in a trade-down scenario, one of those guys could be available to them depending on where they trade down, who they trade down with. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to overhaul this thing. They're going to get a lot of talent. I mean, there's they cannot go into next year with, you know, as bad of a unit as they had. Like, I don't think it's possible to be as bad as they were on the defensive line um, th- going into this year as they were this past season. Like It was it was a horror show to watch. Um, you know, breaking down their pass rushing tape was just, just – Maybe want to puke every every week detailing that thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes to show that they are gonna be there are some options here for defensive end. So I think the biggest name on the market when you look at defensive end is probably New Orleans Saints pass rusher Marcus Davenport, you know, a former first round pick, a guy who is just has shown flashes of being a very dominant player um against both the run and the pass. Um, when he's on the field and healthy, I mean, that's the problem with Marcus Davenport though, is that guy is just never, never healthy, um, whatsoever. Um, just always missing games. Um, you know, not playing a high number of snaps because of injuries. So, um, you know, is that going to be someone the bears want to bring in and risk that? I don't know. I don't think they probably will, but he's probably the top name out there. I think he's probably the best talent available, uh, I think PFF, they they have him graded out as one of the best better pass rushers in the NFL just on a per-snap basis. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So, again, I could see Davenport, you know, he kind of fits the bill of what you want in a 4-3 defensive end. He's big, he's long, he's strong, he's an athletic dude. You know, he plays physical at the line of scrimmage. So he kind of fits the mold, I think, of what he looks for in defensive ends. But again, the injury history thing is just so fascinating with him. Like, what type of deal is he going to want? Is he going to want a long-term deal? Does he get a long-term deal that he wants? You know, what would the Bears be willing to pay in that situation? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. He's probably the, the next biggest name um, that's going to be out there as well. You know, he, he's purely a pass-rushing specialist. He does not defend the run whatsoever. He, he's really just a guy that thrives in a wide nine alignment where, you know, you get him way outside the tackle and just use his speed to get around the edge and gets the quarterback. That's literally all he does. Um, but there is a lot of value in having a guy that can do that, you know, on the, on those third down situations. So how much is he going to be worth? He's still a relatively young player. I think, I think he's going to be 28 years old going into next year. So definitely not an older, not, not an older player. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a while, But, you know, he definitely still has some juice. He definitely has a few years left in him where you feel like he could be a guy that can contribute for, you know, the next multiple amount of years, not just a one-year rental, so to speak. Um, But, you know, after that, I mean, you got guys, veterans like Jadavian Clowney's out there. I don't know if you'd be interested in him. You know, again, he kind of fits the mold physically of what you want in a 4-3 defensive end, but health and – inconsistency has always been you know his biggest issue. Um in terms of some like under-the-radar guys that I think the Bears could be looking to go after, like I really like Charles O'Manicue or um got yeah, the guy from the Jaguars, Arden Key. I, I think those two guys would be perfect fits for what he wants typically in defensive ends you go back to Ewolos's time in Indianapolis he loves having big bodied defensive ends that can you know play on the outside on first and second down and kind of act as like pseudo run defenders for you and then on third downs they kick inside and they just bring a different element to their pass rush because they just have you know too much quickness too much length to, for a lot of these interior offensive linemen to handle so i th- i think you know, those two names as under the radar guys, relatively young players, could be options for the Bears if they want to go that route. You know, I, I will say this, it's not a great free agency class in terms of the defensive end position. So you're likely looking at the draft um to develop to address this as well. And you know, fortunately, we're gonna be getting into our position previews um coming up shortly over the next few weeks, but defensive end I think is this edge group is an awesome group um, for this draft. So I think if they're going to draft, if they're going to address this anywhere, the draft is going to be a spot where they really, I think attack this position hard as well.
3: Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's kind of the formula in the NFL. now. you look at guys like Nick Boza, Miles Garrett. And again, those just two to name a handful, but teams are just continuing to draft. These star pass rushers more and more in making that investment as they build out the defensive side of the ball. It is that like it's interesting because we don't we've seen edge rushers get paid over the last couple of years, but those guys have mostly been on rookie contracts. Very rarely do we see you know big time edge rushers hit the free agent market and then all of a sudden they are getting paid handsomely. So when and the interesting thing I think is this is when you look at this edge rusher class, right? Obviously you've got guys like will Anderson that are going to take the cake, but then you've got Tyree Wilson as well, who I think some people argue that Wilson's better than Anderson. Totally separate debate. We'll have a few weeks down the line. But then you also have guys like a miles Murphy, right? Or a Brian breezy too. One guy that I think is my personal favorite, who I think is a sleeper on day two, early day three, Ohio State's Zach Harrison. You know, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, a guy that has really caught the attention of scouts. So if the Bears do this thing right, we could be talking about a possibility where you've got two rookie edge rushers getting after the quarterback in 2023.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: Yeah. I mean the bears could add two, three guys this off season between the draft and free agency. And I think that would be a really smart strategy, you know, because this is a good year to address the edge position. Some other names I'll throw out there. And again, like you said, like you said, like we're going to be covering this position coming up soon for position previews. Like it's going to be a really fun group to cover, but I'll throw out some other names kind of just to tease our fans out there for guys we're going to be talking about, but Keon White, I think out of Georgia tech, I believe the school he's at the senior bowl. You know, he's a freak athlete, you know, he's like six, 290 pounds, but you know, has the, you know, speed and and quickness and um, and just rare athleticism for a guy at that size at the edge spot. So he's a guy to watch out for. Um, I look at uh, Felix Azumo Uzama, I think from Kansas State. Let me get the name right here because he's a guy that yeah, Felix Anudike Uzama um, from Kansas State. He's a guy that really caught my eye as a day two prospect. I really like his game. I think he's a perfect fit in a 4-3 scheme. Again, we're going to be getting into these guys. I, I'm kind of excited about wanting to talk with these guys now, but I got to have some patience here and and um, wait a little bit to talk about these guys a little bit more in depth. But yeah, this is just a freaky class for edge rushers, especially if you're looking for 4-3 defensive ends and in the mold of what Iverflus wants. Like, Yeah, I, I'm really liking this class. I'm digging it, and I think that the Bears are going to dig it as two, and that. The, I think, like you said, they're probably going to be addressing this. You know, they may draft a guy early on day one and or day two, and they might draft another guy on day three too, because there is a lot of depth. I think is going to be going into day three of the draft to where they could find another sleeper there if they you know want to double dip at that position. So, yeah, I, I think the, the plan is clear here. Though when you look at this entire thing, like they are going to attack. The trenches this offseason. I think that is a given, a given, a guarantee. I don't think they're going to be satisfied with the offensive line that they rolled out there this past year. They certainly aren't going to be satisfied with the defensive line, which was just embarrassing at times that they rolled out there last year. You know, and none of these guys in this roster are safe. Everyone is, you know, competing for a job. Even guys that they bring in here and you know give decent money to. You know, there's gonna be a standard set here to where, you know, if you're not playing up to the up to the standards here, you know, we're gonna to look to move on and upgrade. And you know, I hope that they keep that mindset, you know, that aggressive mindset throughout the offseason. They have to be aggressive this year, and we'll just see, you know, where that takes them. Um, but you know, certainly, you know, kind of branching off of that, the last major topic we'll discuss here for the, today's episode. Um, has to do with the fact that the franchise tag window has officially started. I think it started either yesterday or today, and it goes all the way until uh, the start of free agency in March. So what this means is teams have about, you know, a few weeks or two about a month here to decide whether they want to tag uh, players that are hitting free agency um, and, basically they have that window to decide they can decide now they can decide later um you know usually what teams do is they kind of wait a little bit so they can they can kind of plan out their off season first and you know get their cap situation straight and finance straight whether you know so that way they can decide whether they actually want to go ahead and tag players some of these are pretty obvious decisions some of these though are you know pretty tough and and Um, you know, there could be a situation where a lot of guys that are talented players who could be tagged end up hitting the market because teams and teams end up deciding that they want to go and try a different direction here. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to be going over the major franchise tag options here, and we're going to give our predictions on whether they hit the market or not. And then we're going to decide, you know, talk about how we think that affects the bears in terms of their free agency strategy. And I think we mentioned this guy earlier, but, De'Aaron Payne, I think, is probably the biggest domino of the fall um, on the defensive side of the ball for free agents because if he hits the market, I think a lot of teams are going to view him as the top interior defensive lineman um, on the market when you combine his production last year to his first-round pedigree to his age, still in the prime of his career, coming off of a career season from a pass-rushing standpoint. Um, you know He's a guy that I think – the Bears certainly would be very interested in if he hit the market. So you say it, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think he hits the market? Do you think he gets tagged? And, you know, if he does get tagged, how does that impact the Bear strategy?
3: I think he does not hit the market. He absolutely gets the tag. And then for the Bears, is this is going to suck, yes. But at the end of the day, people have to, we all, look, at the end of the day, the way this goes is this is, Payne's going to get the tag, and he's going to get the tag simply because Ron Rivera knows and values a top defensive talent like Deron Payne when he sees one, right? You look at it, and that Washington front seven, let's just be honest, it's no joke, they bought got Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, then on top of that you have... Chase Young there, too, who I understand missed a significant portion of the 2022 season. Deron Payne might just be the best of them all. And you're talking about a unit that's got, like, four first-rounders. For the Bears, I mean, the implications are simple. Then you turn your attention to a guy like a Javon Hargrave. Is it Javon Hargrave, Deron Payne? No. But he's the next best thing, which, again, if you're this team and your plan A doesn't work out, you better have a good plan B, C or D to bring someone in.
2: Yeah, I'll say this for me, you know, whether Payne doesn't gets tagged or not, it doesn't really change my mindset on things. Like, I know a lot of people I think you, you said you kind of view Payne as the top guy in the market for defensive tackles in this free agency class. You know, I in my opinion, I do think Hargrave is the best guy in the market regardless of whether Payne you know gets tagged or not so for me it doesn't really change my thinking for um the Bears' strategy at defensive tackle i I, th- I think the bears would be happy with either of those two guys because both kind of fit what you know they kind of need although the pain's kind of more of a one tech i think you know traditionally like he's kind of used in a variety of ways at, in washington but yeah I, I, he was kind of drafted as a one tech he's kind of developed into more of a pass rushing role as his career has gone on but Hargrave kind of fits that true three tech role with his pass rushing ability his ability to get up field his ability to penetrate and be disruptive so you know that's know yeah, that's why he's kind of like the guy for me if he hits the market I, I don't think he gets tagged by Philly because Philly's kind of in a tough cap space situation right now um Hargrave's contract voided, I think, today as well. So yeah, he's already leaving a cap charge on the Eagles' salary cap anyway. I uh, think it's like eleven million that he's costing the Eagles not to be on the team. So, um, yeah, for me, like, I, I love Hargrave, so he would be my guy. So, but I mean, again, Payne's a big domino to fall still for a lot of teams because then that makes Hargrave the number one guy in the market. I think, and he's gonna be getting a lot of offers this offseason from a lot of teams, like. The Browns, I think, are going to be in on Hargrave because of their woes at defensive tackle. He could wind up staying in Philadelphia if he's able to match their if they're able to match, you know, his price in the open market. You know, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in Javon Hargrave's circles, and certainly not having a guy like Deron Payne raises his price tag even more if the Bears are interested and want to bring him in. Um, but moving on to some other guys here, um, let's talk about Orlando Brown Jr. I think he's a guy that. Um, He was tagged this past year by the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot of speculation, you know, do the Chiefs tag him again? They weren't able to get a long-term deal done. You know, personally, I I personally think that Brown gets tagged again, you say, because of the importance of the left tackle position. He's going to be viewed as the top guy in the market if he does hit the market. Um, What's your thought on the Brown situation?
3: Well, I think he ends up hitting the market. And and I say this simply because when you look at Brett Veach, as well as Andy Reid, not only are those, those two really good at identifying talent, I mean, when you have the best quarterback in the world, you kind of are free to build your roster however you want to. But what's going to happen is they replace him. They let him walk in free agency, let him kind of test the open market, but keep an open ear, right? And if the price is reasonable, they extend an offer to Orlando and bring it back while well, he's looking at the open market. If not, then they just turn their attention to the NFL draft and look for a uh, right tackle or a left tackle to go ahead and start. And I will say this, it's it's worth noting, right? Because Orlando's classified as a left tackle, but you could certainly see the Chiefs going ahead and making a play for a guy such as a Greg Little, for example, or a Ty Nischke, or even somebody such as um, Cedric Ogubi in order to kind of help solidify the left side of that line until you figure out a long-term replacement.
2: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs do with with Brown because he was a key part of their offensive line over the past two years. Um yeah, and we'll and we'll see what happens there. Certainly, they need a blindside pre- protector for Mahomes. Um, there are a couple quarterbacks that are set to hit the market this off season. Lamar Jackson is the top name, obviously, along that list. I mean, a former MVP. The fact that they haven't been able to reach a deal with Baltimore—it's um, kind of crazy at this point um, how that hasn't been resolved. Um, that's a really murky contract situation right now between those two sides but also geno smith is on the market as well he's probably looking to get tagged by the seahawks after he had a breakout season uh this past year um you know i think both these guys are going to be in a position to be tagged i think both will get tagged you just you don't let franchise you know especially Lamar Jackson, you don't let a franchise quarterback like that go for free. And Geno Smith, I think he played so well for the Seahawks last year that you kind of want to tag him and at least see where this goes and see if you can get kind of a, a you know an extension done. But what I want to talk about here with Jackson is, you know, do we think the Ravens hold on to him long-term? Because if Lamar Jackson becomes available via trade, um, you know, for a, a tag and trade situation um, – which is certainly possible given, you know, what we've been hearing about Lamar Jackson and how contract negotiations have gone between him and the Ravens. Um, you know, that is a huge, down. that affects a lot of things. It, it affects, you know, the draft market, you know, what teams are going to be looking to, you know, trade up with the bears for number one overall, um, especially if it goes to a team like Atlanta or Carolina two quarterback needy teams, they're going to be available. Like. Heck, Maybe even the Texans um, would be willing to, you know, go all in for Omar Jackson. The Jets could be interested. if They want to go all in. So certainly a lot of options there. What are your thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation you said?
3: I mean, it's messy and it's messy like that. When you have your mom representing you as a quote unquote agent, no disrespect to the Jackson family, but Lamar needs to get an agent. Well what it is, is this is the Lamar Jackson situation is about as messy as it's gotten cuz both sides are willing to basically not give up and not give the other side any leeway. You've got the Ravens who are saying, "Hey Lamar, this is what we think you're worth." You've got the Lamar Jackson side saying, "This is what I think I'm worth." And let me just say this, you mentioned a couple AFC teams if the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson, I certainly think it's out of the AFC into the NFC, just because that's kind of the trend we see with a lot of these major trades that go down. The other thing is this, is that Lamar, right, I I just don't think he gets traded because you're going to shake up the draft board for the next two to three years. And ultimately, I don't think a team is necessarily confident giving up, you know, three first rounders for him and signing him to the highest deal in or what basically gets him a fully guaranteed contract. I think the two sides are going to come to an agreement. It's going to take much longer than expected, but I do expect Lamar to receive the franchise tag.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are a smart organization, so I think they're, they will, I think they're going to try to hold on to Lamar this year and try to play it out. And, and, you know, see if they can get something done long term. If they can't, maybe they consider the trade option next off season. Um, you know, we'll see though. I, I think they do want to give it a try. You know, they brought in Todd Monken as their offensive coordinator. I think they do want to give it a try with Lamar with you know a different offensive coordinator besides you know Greg Roman and see if he can kind of um, you know expand his game a little bit and maybe that influences them, but. I mean yeah, I mean the big issue here is Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract and the Ravens who are typically very very generous in terms of giving out guaranteed money to their players like you look at the contracts they give out you know they will you know usually do a little bit lower in terms of total value and average per year value but they always have an astronomical astronomically high um, amount of guaranteed money that they give out on extensions for players so it you know I when I when I heard that the issue or I heard the rumors that the uh, issue came down to guarantee money. I was kind of perplexed because the Ravens are usually very good about handing out guaranteed money to their players. So, you know, it it has to be that Lamar Jackson wants the Deshaun Watson deal and the Ravens were saying, nah, that's not happening. We're not saying that precedent or we're not following that precedent. Like, you know, you're going to sign in line with some of the other quarterbacks. We're going to give you a lot of guarantee money, but fully guaranteed is not happening. So, you know, that's kind of the, the impasse right now. You know, we'll see if they get that worked out, but certainly a huge name to keep in mind for um the franchise tag as that you know looms large, I think, for both sides of that negotiation. Um moving on here, there are a couple teams um that have multiple players that could be um considered for a franchise tag. We'll start with kind of a smaller one. The Jacksonville Jaguars have you know Juwan Taylor, right tackle that they could be looking to tag this offseason as well as tight end Evan Ingram, who had a breakout year for them on a one-year deal that they signed last offseason for uh, them. you know, Interesting situation. I'm not sure if either gets a tag. If they do, I'm kind of inclined to think that Evan Ingram would get the tag, given how he played for the Jaguars last year and his importance in that passing game uh, for Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars situation you said, how do you see that playing out?
3: I think Taylor hits the open market. The Jags have been pretty solid at drafting O-linemen I over the last couple of years. There should be somebody waiting in the wings to take Taylor's spot. You know, I see Evan Ingram getting that franchise tag, much like you said, simply because he's got this unparalleled chemistry with Trevor Lawrence, and it would be foolish to kind of break that up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then another team that I think is probably the biggest story when it comes to the franchise tagger. Or- one of the bigger stories when it comes to franchise tag is what do the giants do with their situation? Because their two players have to hit the market. Their two biggest names, I should say are quarterback, Daniel Jones, who's coming off a year where, yeah, the stats weren't like prolific or anything, but you know, did a nice job for them under his first year under Brian Dable. Um, after getting his fifth year option, um, denied by the, by the team, their first year under for their new regime. Um, had a pretty nice season leading them to the playoffs um, within that offense as a kind of a game manager for them. Um, but the Giants had to kind of counterbalance that. The fact that Saquon Barkley is also a free agent and Saquon Barkley, you know, he's one of the more talented running backs in football. Certainly a guy worthy of, I think in most years you want to give him the tag because he is a talented player, you know, and this creates a lot of issues. Like do the Giants, what do the Giants value? Do they value paying your running back long-term money? In that case, you know, would they tag Saquon Barku with the hopes of you know signing him to a long-term deal? And then how do they value Daniel Jones here? Do they think he's, you know, a guy that can be a franchise quarterback moving forward? There's rumors that you know he's looking to get for upwards of forty-five million dollars a year, which to me is insane. But um, I mean, that's it, it would be nuts. It not like the Giants are really determined to bring Daniel Jones back though given how he played last year like what do you make of this giant situation because this seems like this could create a bunch of ripple effects for the way free agency operates um in the next coming weeks
3: well it's going to be a trickle down effect you need to get Daniel Jones to sign first and that's going to put Saquon Barkley on the outside looking in and again he's just going to leave via free agency Daniel Jones is not worth $45 million a year. Daniel Jones is a quarterback that I have kind of berated harshly on every podcast I've been on. He's come up since he was entered into the league in 2019. But the reality of the situation is this. is that For Daniel Jones, this is all about just him getting the money he wants to, which is completely fine because in our real-life day jobs, you and I will try to get – or just in general, people would try and get as much money as they could. What matters, though, here is this, is can he follow up 2023 with a much better performance in 2022? Because it was clear last time, you know, or last year at this time, he was kind of learning the offense. Things were so new to him. He was just being able to build that relationship with Kafka as well as Brian Dable, and now all of a sudden, it's going to kind of be, hey, can you go ahead and can you do all of this on your own? And while doing so, can you take us to the next level? Saquon Barkley, I think he hits the open market simply because he's the odd guy looking in. You know, Joe Shane's not afraid to let running backs go simply because Joe Shane is the one. He did not draft Saquon Barkley. That was a Dave Gettleman mistake, but Joe Shane obviously is going to cut ties with a player no matter how talented he is, if that player does not fit the vision of the team.
2: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation. I think the smart move, man, I don't even know what to make of this. Honestly, if I'm the Giants, you know, there's a reason why they declined Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. And that's because they felt like going into that, that Daniel Jones had not proven anything in his first three seasons that showed he's a franchise quarterback. And when you look at Daniel Jones and the way he played uh, this past season, Again, you can't always go by the stat sheet because, you know, there is there's so much that goes into quarterbacks, you know, statistical production outside of his play. But you look at, you know, Daniel Jones' stats from this past year. He only threw 15 touchdown passes. He only threw just over 3,000 yards despite starting almost every single game. Um, you know, his, his efficiency across the board was – pretty average um for the most part when compared to the rest of the league certainly didn't you know he certainly didn't you know blow anybody away in terms of being overly efficient i mean basically had an alex smith season um when he was with the chiefs it's instead he had that you know in 2022 when passing numbers are a little bit more ridiculous and quarterbacks are asked to do a lot more than what they were asked to do when Alex Smith was in his heyday in Kansas City um, during the mid you know 2010s. So, you know, do you want to pay a guy like that 40 million dollars, 45 million dollars a year? Like, I just think that is insane to me. To me, if I were the Giants, because I'm also in the camp where I also I'm not a big fan of handing out running backs big money extensions unless they're truly special, elite of the elite. And Saquon Barkley, while he is that guy, you know on paper i feel like his name is a little bit better i I feel like his name speaks more than his actual game if that makes any sense now that it's not that Saquon barkley isn't a spectacular talent he's a special talent but he's already had injury problems in the past he hasn't lived up i think to being the number two overall pick that he was in the 2018 draft which is hard for any running back to do in the modern day nfl but i mean he's, he's really only had one truly special season his rookie year was a special year this year you know he definitely got back close to that form I think that he was as a rookie but wasn't quite there I I don't think I think he's a great back I think he's a top five to eight back in the NFL I'm not sure if he's a guy that is like a guy that I feel comfortable paying big money long-term. And certainly this brings up the discussion of if he hits the market to the bears and up bringing him in. And honestly, I I've been on this train for this entire discussion throughout the off season. No, I am not a big fan of that signing. Like I love Saquon Barkley, the player, he's a very exciting player. If the bears were to bring him in on a big deal and and whatnot, I would be, rooting heart, I'd be rooting a lot for him on Sundays I'd be very excited with the way he plays you know I would be oohing and ah on and all that stuff but I don't think it's the best move for the long-term outlook of the franchise when you look at the running back position and what it means so yeah that's that's a tough situation so if I'm the Giants I think the way I'd handle this is I would tag Saquon Barkley just so you get one more year of use out of him, um, the franchise tag for running backs isn't too much. It's like ten million, I think, which is not a lot whatsoever for a one-year proposition. Um, they have a ton of cap space to work with anyway. And then you try to work on a long-term deal with Daniel Jones for like a three or four-year deal. Um, that's not too crazy. Like thirty-five million is the most I would go. If he's not willing to, you know, get that price, then I let Daniel Jones go. I try to bring in a veteran stopgap if he goes elsewhere, and then. You know, either I'm looking to trade up for one of these guys in this year's draft, it's going to be tough to do given where they're at, or I just let it all go for a year and try to get one of these guys to next year's draft. Because I think that's kind of the smart move to do to find the Giants. They kind of got to the playoffs this year in a fluky way anyway. So I'm not sure if they're truly a playoff team. Um, When, you know, I I don't think they're a legitimate playoff team. When when you consider all the factors here, they were kind of lucky last year to be in the position they were at. So, but it it looks like they are going to be trying to sign Daniel Jones long-term if that happens. So good luck, Giants fans. Good luck. Um, Last two players I want to cover here also happens to be at the running back position. It's, you know, again, the running back class, when you look at the draft and free agency is pretty dang good this year. But a couple of running backs that could be, you know, getting the franchise tag. We Look at Josh Jacobs, who I think he led the league in rushing last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Had a heck of a dang good year um, for Josh McDaniels in that Raiders offense last year. And Tony Pollard, one of the most explosive weapons in the NFL. You know, you say, do you think those guys get tagged? And if they don't, do do you think the Bears are interested in bringing any of those guys in?
3: I don't think either of them get tagged. I think that for them, their days in Dallas and Las Vegas, respectively, are over. Josh Jacobs just a guy who does not really fit the mold of running backs that Josh McDaniels is looking for. Josh Jacobs is more so the old school running back who's a power runner, kind of north-south guy between the tackles. That was kind of John Gruden's style of running as well, just a really hard runner with a bit of burst. You look at Tony Pollard, like, yeah, he is a Swiss Army Knife, but also at the end of the day, you can place him in multiple positions. (laughs) I mean, the Cowboys are going to try to figure this thing out with Zeke. So if the Cowboys get it figured out with Zeke and Tony Pollard's out the door, if they don't get it figured out, well, then Zeke's probably going to demand a trade or hit the open market. And then you're going to have Tony Pollard, who's going to be the lead back in Dallas in 2023. Yeah, I'll, I'll
2: say that this is how it goes. I think because of how cheap the running back franchise tag is, I think Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs get tagged. I don't think they'll let either of those two guys go. Um, the Raiders, like, I think they, I think they're, you know, they saw how good Josh Jacobs was for them last year. You know, they declined his fifth year option for a reason. So maybe they're not in love with him as an organization, but he was so good that I think you got to bring him back for one more year. He's still a young player, he's still really dang good. So, I think they bring him back as kind of be their bell cow for one more year. And then for the Cowboys, like it all, I think it all depends on how they want to handle Zeke. I think if they're able to negotiate a pay cut with Zeke, or if they're able to cut Zeke to save some money, I think they bring back Pollard on the tag as well. But I think it's going to be dependent on, you know, what is Zeke willing to sacrifice here? Cause if Zeke takes a pay cut, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to pay Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, you know, big time money here. At the same time, that's not going to happen. You know, Zeke's going to have to either be cut or sacrifice some money if they want to bring Tony Pollard back. I think Zeke will be willing to do it because of, you know, how much the Cowboys organization has stand stood behind him throughout the years, and the fact that you know they've been willing to go on with this albatross of a contract for, you know, for how many years that he's been signed. But you know, Tony Pollard, I think they know the value that he brings to that offense, and I think they're going to be. I think they're going to try to do what they can to keep him at least for this season, because they're in a competitive window. They want to win now and power is the guy that gives them the best opportunity to do so. So with that, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. We certainly covered a lot in terms of, you know, franchise tags, bear strategy going into this off season, all that stuff. Um, For all the listeners out there, uh, make sure to like rate and subscribe to, um, the podcast picks for for polls podcast wherever you listen to us um, especially at the blue wire um make sure to give us a follow as well on social media our twitter profile is at picks for polls so make sure you give us a uh, follow there if you're interested in getting uh, more draft coverage as we go along here in the draft process we have the draft combine coming up um shortly we have um pro days we have uh Position previews, all that stuff leading up to the draft in late April. You uh, said, for our listeners out there, where can they follow you on social media and where can they find your work?
3: You guys can follow me on social media at Usade Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Gonna have a lot of scouting reports dropping over the next two weeks.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you a follow. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. I recently, uh, put out there my first part of my mock off season for this upcoming 2023 offseason for the bears uh, for this part, I put together uh, what I would do basically if I was a GM for the bears and I covered free agency for this first section. So definitely check that out. If you're looking to get into the possibilities for what the bears could be doing uh, this offseason. season. Um, but you know, if, if not, if you're just looking for just bear covers in general, ge- ge- Definitely check out the Bearport and all the work that we have for all the riders that are there that are working hard in this off season and putting out a lot of content. So make sure to support them and support what they do. Um, with that said, uh, that's going to do it for us today. For Bears fans out there, one week closer to Free Agency fans, hang in there. It's going to get exciting soon. But until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a great weekend and bear down.